0: everyone and welcome to episode 57 of the nts podcast this time we're really lucky to be joined by eu masters caster oh, jamada stop, yeah, stop. <laughs> jamada how's it going yeah
1: no i'm doing good uh you know coming off yesterday it feels a bit strange but i'm kind of still taking it all in i guess so
0: yeah. yeah very nice and we'll kind of get into that and how you um obviously ended up getting on the eu masters cast because it's like kind of seemed like it was it happened pretty quick as well in terms of like your casting career at least um yeah. yeah we'll kind of get onto that as we've always uh, when we have someone on for the first time we do do like a little bit of an interview just to kind of get to know you and and what your journey has been like um so why don't you maybe just start off telling us how you kind of got into the league scene because I think you started more as like a bit of a player and and then more of a coach to oh, begin with before that. casting
1: <laughs> yeah as, as a player there's barely, barely anything to talk about uh I'd I'd spent kind of maybe a year and a half sort of at, uh, D1-Elo of like old, which is cruising somewhere in between sort of like highish master and, uh, of like the ladder right now. Um, but I never really found my way into the UK scene because at least as far as I'm aware back then, it was pretty reclusive. So you kind of just had to know people to sort of get into the circles and what have you. Um, so I kind of just, I had this friend group that we used to play belong with, um, I sort of took a bit of a social break and then they started a split up Belong and I came back uh, and I didn't want to just rob our jungler's spot. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just coach you guys then because like, I've got the knowledge to to give or take sort of like rough coach everyone. And that's where the coaching thing kind of started. Um, and it sort of took off from there, I guess, uh, like my sort of passion-ish for, for, for casting, uh, for coaching rather. Um, I coached them for maybe six months uh, and then eventually i i kind of fell on a couple of people from the uk scene i think the the first sets of people that i met from the uk scene were, were like ego speed which uh if you're part of the uk scene you know ego speed uh as as much as he's kind of uh dropped off the radar a bit as far as uk leaks gone uh but he sort of introduced me to some of the circles uh which was cool uh, and then I got more involved in like UK esports, just kind of as a spectator at first, sort of like a vocal uh, person on things that were going on in the league. Uh, and now sort of 2019, and then the off season between spring and summer of that year, uh, Officer Naughty reached out to me as like, hey, do you want to try out to be the assistant coach of Eminem?" and it was completely out of the blue. I hadn't even, uh, to my memory, I don't think I put out on LFT or anything like that. And I didn't make it very vocal that I was looking to join a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but he reached out to me anyway. I showed up to the trials, and we 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 basically just ended up like picking out a head coach for the summer roster. I didn't even really get trialed per se. Um, uh, and then from there it was just yeah. He was like yeah, you've got the spot. Um, so I I, I it felt really strange. It was like mm-hmm. I kind of got handed the opportunity for little to naught. Yes, I was vocal. Yes, I was kind of like a bit of a standout. But it felt kind of weird just to end up on what was kind of considered the most respected UK org at the time.
0: And was um, that was that with Pad as the head coach as well? Was that No, point so or? that
1: was the the split before Pad was was on Eminem. Uh right. he left after that I think to go to Spain. I can't recall the team though. I think it was I think it was, uh, pe- was Penguins. It Penguins? Yeah, yeah, I think it was Penguins. Um so I just missed out on Pad then. Uh for summer I had Considán, who's honestly a really nice guy. Uh he definitely sort of taught me quite a bit on like what it kind of means to be i think a, a leader inside of uh, an environment uh space and i kind of been used to it from beforehand from when i used to do uh like sports Netflix, athletics when i was younger um but i feel like you can draw comparisons between like a league of legends compare of saying and uh and like you know like a football or like a, a running team or whatever but it's never going to be quite the same but it's obviously got its clear parallels uh but con definitely taught me like a lot about how to carry yourself amongst the team, especially if you're the figurehead of of the the team um but that's what went by, and then that's when i met pad uh pad honestly like I consider one of my my best friends, if not my best friend uh mentor uh and he was super cool like he uh Alex picked him up obviously picked him up uh sort of before the off season even really started uh he sat me down for an interview and he's like he just ran me through a bunch of questions for like an hour uh and then at the end of it he he was effectively just like I like you, yeah. Like, I, I can't remember if he said it outright, but it, it, he he definitely told me afterwards. He's like, "Yeah, this guy's, he's 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 got it about him." Um, so I basically spent that split with pad. That was an awesome split. We didn't do well, unfortunately. There was a lot of nonsense that happened during the split. Uh, but then I got my first head coaching split in summer, um, of twenty twenty. That went okay. We finished top four. Um, but all throughout that time, I'd been sporadically casting the UKL, mm-hmm. um, and my passion for casting kind of just grew um i felt like i was naturally quite good at it as well um i think mostly because i just like talking out my ass all the time (laughs) um and then after the summer split i was like all right cool i'm gonna try and do this full time and i think no longer than a month later than that i got asked to come on nlc4 uh and the rest is kind of history I ended up doing Mm -hmm. the uklc last bit obviously and then uh, a fair amount of time doing uh, analyst desk with uh with the nlc as well
0: yeah Tom,
2: I think you might be muted. Tom is muted. Perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> So you were there um right when the UKL basically kicked off, weren't you? Were, yeah, uh, yeah. Were you casting straight away or how did no. you kind of that come across of you um, coaching and then it suddenly right, we wanted to cast, you know, this third division?
1: Um so it was kind of like if I remember right, the the league the league kicked off. Um because I think my first Casting experience was way back, I think 2018 Proving Grounds. Um, and I think the UKL had its first split in summer 2019. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, somebody I'm sure will know, but I should actually know that off, off the top <laughs> of my head. Um, so I think the finals of uh the UKLC rolled around in 2019, um, and that was at Twickenham. Um and I was there, I think it was, it's, there's loads of people that showed up to the finals. I think it was like free tickets and what have you. Um, and I ended up speaking with Governor. Um, and long story short, by the end of the conversation, he'd like, I told him that I kind of wanted to get into casting on a more sort of like regular basis at some point, uh, even as far as back then. I just wanted more opportunities to cast, right? Um, so then he said, I'm not going to be able to do the UKL this week. You come on, do do it, do it for me this week. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. And that was kind of the first time that I had gone to the UKL. Uh, and then from there, it was like it was sort of sporadic-ish at first, if memory serves me right. And then it was on a more consistent basis from some from sort of like spring onwards. Um, so I wasn't necessarily there from the inception of the UKL, but I was there from sort of like the middle of the first split slash sort of towards the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was there like every couple of
0: weeks until spring where it was kind of a slightly more consistent thing. So when you started it then did you did you feel it was like pretty natural you just happened to be like pretty decent at it because you see with like maybe the LEC like how Cajal started Mm it like I think like playoffs last year and just seemed to be really good straight away and then he's obviously kind of gone into it as well. Um, Do you feel it was kind of like that or was there anything actually you did sort of? Um, feel like you had to work on at the start that kind of helped you sort of grow as well? I don't know,
1: I think for me like speaking and articulation kind of comes a bit naturally to me Um, so I was a bit fortunate in in that side of things I've obviously, you know, I've been coached uh, a little bit, uh, or a fair bit really um, by people like, orcs has been like one of probably my my biggest sort of leading figures in this, uh, especially over the last sort of year or so um so you know I think initially it was it was kind of like uh I started doing it and it just felt kind of natural, right? I had the game knowledge to kind of carry myself properly, um, and I'll do my best not to make a fool out of myself whilst trying to entertain whoever was uh you know, whoever the audience was. Um so it came kind of natural, but I definitely had to get a fair amount of guidance to make sure I sort of refined myself. Uh, because I think one thing that I definitely fell into. It's just long rambles. Um, <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's it, natural, but I think as time went on and I sort of had that mentorship from, from Orcs as well, it, it definitely helped.
0: Yeah.
2: Do you think it helps as well, like um the fact that now we're getting more kind of developed leagues in the UK scene as well? Because it's like, yeah. I think sometimes like with casters and we've seen it from, you know, from the past, sometimes it was just like, I'd just review VODs and cast over them, or I'd take someone's stream and cast over it. But now there's like an actual like league to follow and to kind of get that shot. It's not just developing players. Yeah, yeah. It's also developing casters as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it leagues will always double as that, right? Because as long as a league wants to be broadcast, there's going to be a, a demand for, for on-air talent. Um, so especially in, in the UKL's case, there, there was quite a plethora of... of uh, of casters, color and, and uh play by play. Uh that kind of didn't have much to do, right? I think before the UKL, the SQ1 was was kicking about. Uh and then once the UKL was there, there was also that consistent league to, to be a part of. Um so I think it doubles over. Um I, yeah, I think that's about it. Like, it they're, they're, as long as leagues are there to be broadcast, there'll always be that demand to to try and have people uh you know commentate over it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: No, no, Yamada, I, I, I do have to ask this question, though. Yes. Um, and it is a, a little bit about EU Masters, but not too much. Uh, how good does it feel to have just skipped the NLC and just got EU Masters? <laughs> like, <laughs> Because I was looking through and I was like, because you did like the fall open, I believe, but like yeah. the actual NLC itself, I don't think you, you've actually casted. So how kind of a shock was it to go from basically UKLC to you Masters to, we're going to have you at EU Masters?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I did a lot of analyst desk work for for the NLC. I definitely casted uh, at least one day, I think, of relegations with mm-hmm. with a scoundrel. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, no, I I barely did any casting on on the NLC itself. Um, so it felt kind of strange, right? Uh, I think, especially if you ask uh, a couple of the NLC guys, it I I, I I I've kind of been relatively open is like I don't know it. I I said yesterday, I was like, "What the fuck happened, man? Like, how did I end up?" <laughs> like, six months ago, I said, "Hey, I'm I'm just gonna try and go at this full time," and now, like, as far as like within Europe, internationally goes, I'm I'm part of the the sort of most prestigious uh, tournament that there is. It, it, yeah. it...
2: Part Your of me knows Schalke v. K-Corp. like yeah. it, like the 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 jump there. Is, yeah, is yeah,
1: I, I, right. I, you know, part of me knows that eventually I feel like I would have gone here, but I think mm. it's just the time frame that mm-hmm. that sort of is, has greatly caught me off guard. Because um, I was I, and I still am in the mindset of growth, 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 refinement, refinement, refinement. Uh, but I didn't think that I was necessarily like here ready to to start doing EUM stuff now. Um, and I'd kind of resign myself to that. Like as soon as uh UKC and NLC finishes, like all right, cool, I I should be done now until like June. I was ready to just kind of go into full relax mode, start like I don't know streaming or whatever, um, or even just like co- coaching in my in my spare time. Uh, and then I got I got the message from from uh the guys. Right, it's like hey, you're 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 in. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, it, it feel it feels good, but. I think I don't know. Is it like imposter syndrome? Like part of it. Part of me kind of feels like, am I, am I like still ready? But after yesterday, I feel a lot more confident. Than
3: yeah.
2: It's the uh, it's the UKEL buff. Like we had it. We dragged our <laughs> obviously dragged went just straight to NLC this split with Singularity. after have to be in UKL, you know. And it's just like just just skip some leaks. Don't need to don't need to do anything else. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, I, what can I say, man? The UK EL produces
0: speedrunners. That's, the, that's, the, <laughs> only, <laughs> that's well, the only way to go about it um kind of when did you actually get that that call then if you like was it was it like quite a late thing then or did you actually have to like um, plenty of time to still prep no we we had time to prep uh we got
1: at least uh, i think the i don't know how much i'm really allowed to say it, it give or take like two and a half weeks before um started mm-hmm. uh i mm-hmm. think people started getting contacted uh and then from there it was just a process um it was a bit scattered i think just because the lec finals and stuff was still going on but it about two and a half weeks, I think people started getting the uh
2: good old ring up, so mm-hmm. yeah. And, and just as a general question, really, is there um, because because we've asked it with players before, like what was like a game which kind of has always stood out to you or recently has stood out to you? Like, is has there been a game where you've casted and you've been like, and it doesn't even need to be like a massive game, but like, right, I've done such a great job, you felt just great doing it,
1: I think the UKLC finals, like every every game, not just one game, like mm. every game of the UKLC finals, I think, because realistically the expectations rolling into that finals were Resolve are just going to roll over London, right? Yeah, dominate cool. them
2: 3-0 Yeah, yeah
1: don't, and I don't think it was an unfair opinion to hold before that finals happened mm-hmm. right? Uh, yes, London looked strong, but did they look Resolve strong? Not really uh, But then we show up on the day and if I remember the order of things correctly London took the first game and all of a sudden, it was like the the Earth had just split apart and <laughs> Hellfire started spilling out from <laughs> from the Quake. And from there, it was just like sheer chaos from start to finish, uh, from the end of the night. And I feel, as much as I loved the UKLC, there was very few times I was able to genuinely get passionate about the games that I was casting. Uh, and it was more of a sort of lax sort of, hey, when there was times to be funny, there was times to be educational, that was much of what the UKLC was for, for me. But the UKLC finals rolled around, and it was just so hectic, so unexpected, that that was probably the the best class I think I've whopped out of my mouth. Um,
2: I think what's the unexpected yeah. thing is the fact that they had just not lost a single game. And then mm. in the first game of this best of five, they, they lost. Mm-hmm. And yes. it's like... And and then it wasn't even like, oh, and then Resolve just dominated. They obviously they oh, got two wins. Oh, it, then it, London it, got another one. And it's like it really could have gone either way. I thought it was it was brilliant.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the, the order of the, the games was probably the, the best part about it, because it's like London took a game you're like, wow, I guess Resolve just aren't gonna go the split undefeated now. They're, they're just about <laughs> to you know, they they made a bit of an oopsie, they paid for it, now they're gonna free or like effectively like free or London in, in return. And you go past those two games the t- next two games you're like, well, night's over uh and then they push it to game five uh and that game five was I think probably the the game five was probably my favorite like part of the the cast. Not because it was obviously the finale of the of the night, but the fact that London had it within fingertip reach right and it, it was it was basically one mistake which then gave uh resolve the momentum they needed to close out i think it it sort of just it allowed it allowed me to actually be me for a change like Mm -hmm. fully like and and and, uh sort of passionately on 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 air which i i don't think i've really been able to do on cast outside of that finals
2: Mm -hmm. and then that's when i thought oh you know what we've got two really good sides going into tellia masters here (laughs) 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 Uh, yes
1: yeah uh masters is a a different beast i guess it was, a, uh, it was a rude
2: awakening is what i uh, yeah. i called it especially I mean, even if absolved as well we've talked about it before but mm-hmm. like you look at resolve and absolved and they were like the favorites i thought to go into this and neither of them made it even into the the play the the relegation side yeah i
1: i mean i think in the case of resolve uh i think they had a strong enough roster to do but obviously something kind of just happened mm-hmm. um maybe the final shook them it's not necessarily easy to tell um You'd kind of have to directly ask the the players and the staff about anything that happened, because sometimes the team can just lose their mojo. Because uh, you know, like like we're saying, the only rosters really in that tournament that should have been like a major threat aside from Resolve was like Absolved, Galaxy Eraser, and you know the rest. Maybe in like sort of best free environment or whatever, you'd get like taken. You'd have a game taken off you just out oh, of sheer disrespect or surprise. But aside from that, you was expecting those three teams to mm-hmm. to sort of make it all the way, but they just kind of crumbled outside of obviously the Galaxy. And,
2: and I think that's what it was. I think as well, like I I came into that thinking that, and then I actually saw the games in and Masters. I was like, okay, these sides are a lot better in terms of like the, you know, the sides who I thought were like the middle of the pack are mm-hmm. a lot better. Uh, was it like N I can't. I can never say it, but it's all with capital letters. It's got Enireki. Yeah, that one. Uh, like, they were so much better than what I was expecting them to be. And and it, even, like, even though I knew Galaxy Racer were good, I still had, like, doubts of Galaxy Racer, because obviously uh I thought that they had one of the weaker regions in terms of qualification to go through. But yeah. it, it turns out that in the end, like, a lot of the sides were there to compete. And maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, just something just didn't work for, yeah. for both Absolved and Resolved. But on the other side, London, I think, performed a lot better than what I think mm-hmm. a lot of people thought.
1: Yeah, no, um, I think a lot of growth obviously happened uh, internally uh, on that roster. I mean, I've been very vocal about Merp I think, because especially the the weak sort of start that he had um, in the split to sort of the end where he was able to be really self-sufficient I think it was a really great juxtaposition and journey for him Uh, and just in general, you know, plays like then Voxnay, Beale being able to kind of neutralize anything um, and then sort of showing up to Telemasters, I don't think they're at the if if I remember the games properly, their their performances at Masters weren't even that terrible either. It was just mm-hmm. it was it was such a step up that mm-hmm. they couldn't necessarily keep up a hundred percent of the time.
2: Well I'm pretty sure that the two sides who were top two uh, were were Galaxy Racer and the other side which made it into relegations anyway, I believe. Yeah. I think it, the actual two which were in there were the ones which went on to face the NLC side. So it says yeah. a lot really. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you know, unluck of the draw, I guess, is well yeah. kind of plays into it. Um if if they were on the other side, if they managed to take down Resolve, would they have maybe gone through the group? It's hard it's hard to say in, in, in retrospect always. Mm-hmm. So I uh, think it'd be
0: interesting to see as well what um what Resolve do with that roster as well. Like I think it'd be criminal if SOF is still in the UK L C next. I, I don't think SOF
2: is in, the UK. Yeah. He's in the yeah, LC, surely. But
1: per- personally I think as much as I love love our region, I, it would almost be criminal to see him Stay in the NLC. I think he really mm-hmm. deserves a shot in one of the the sort of bigger, the the sort of what is considered like the strongest, these, You know, mm-hmm. uh, prime SL. Uh, I think he deserves a spot there uh, realistically. And I think even from last split, he he could have been been there. Uh, yeah, a little bit of bias in there because Sofi's still one of my good friends from from spring of, of last year. But I think yeah, criminal if he's if he's in the Well, it's
2: like when 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 the NLC this split like occurred. <laughs> um i i said and i was very open and Nalty, i think has done actually really great to change my opinion on him but when I, if i got told that there was going to be one uk jungler i would have thought it was soft like 100 percent. i was like like soft which is legitimately in and i was a bit surprised to actually see Nalty kind of going but i did think that Nalty did prove himself in the end there yeah, anyway yeah. Mm-hmm. but like the fact that I, w- I was just so surprised that soft didn't go in and obviously you know maybe things had happened which yeah, uh, uh, yeah. didn't allow that to occur but I don't think that... Um, it, it's very easy, I think, sometimes for players just to be like, right, well, I'm just going to not be in a team and I'm just going to practice uh, and I'm just going to try and get better that way. But the fact that he actually went into a team which he believes in, and to be fair, like yes, maybe telling Masters wasn't the result they were hoping for, but they performed so well in the UKLC. I think a lot of people can look above just, like, a, a kind of one bad performance, you know, a couple of bad performances yeah. over there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. Because uh, I remember speaking quite a lot with, with Soft during the offseason. Uh, and, you know, uh, a solo queue split was, was on the cards, mm-hmm. right? Uh, especially after like, because he did have a, 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 a position locked on mm-hmm. one of the NLC teams, and some of it just fell through. Because uh, there was no contract, it was just all verbal still there, waiting on the contracts. Um pretty much just the, the point that they were at um and it fell through and that's just one of the things that can happen during an off season, right you, you can you can lock yourself into a team you don't you haven't quite written in 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 paper yet and then circumstances just change mm-hmm. um uh, and that's when the resolve thing kind of rolled around is like i guess i'll just i'll take it it seems like it, it can be a, a thing that's doable and obviously it almost was yeah um
2: and it highlights a British roster, a full British roster. can watch. Yeah, which
1: like... I, I don't think a full British roster has been in the UKLC since 2019 summer M&M. I think there's always been one import on every single roster, at the very least. Mm-hmm. I I would I would actually love to go and check that, but I think that's I think that was the last time there was a full five UK roster in, in the UKLC.
0: Mm-hmm. Impressive. Um, and to be fair, I'd, I'd imagine like, because I think it was when we had Dragdar on, he kind of spoke about the conversations he'd had with uh, with Rai, obviously the owner at Resolve, and how they, they do seem to kind of prioritise, um, sort of growing the players and things. So I wouldn't be too surprised if a, if a few of them stay, like the likes like Artorias, Chimera, uh, Fastleg, maybe not Yusa, but those three I think would be maybe quite a bit of a push to see them maybe in the NLC next split. So I wouldn't yeah. be too surprised to see them stay. Uh, maybe I mean, sir, depending on his offers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, all all five of them, with as much as I'd, I I love the the Willis brothers, I'm not sure Artorias could necessarily play in the NLC just yet. I think he he would need maybe one more split. Um, because sometimes, like I don't know, Artorias is a funny guy on the rift because it seems like you know sometimes he's you know he's the god of the world, he's just kind of unbeatable, and then other times you see the 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 inside of Artorias. Um. Though you didn't really get to see it much during the UKLC because he was kind of uncontestedly the the strongest like top in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally you'd throw people like Rifty at the top of the list, but Rifty didn't necessarily have like the same sort of overbearing performances that he he had last like in lane, um, which is a shame. And if he is playing again in summer, uh, I really hope to to see that return of like the scary Rifty because I remember like, like sending teams. Uh, sending the team into in face demise uh, both round the Robins and in, in regular against Drifty and it was an experience man because especially when you're on blue side you don't know you just have to blind something and pray that he doesn't have some wacky counter <laughs> available um, but yeah I, I, honestly all five of them probably could find find a, a spot on, on an NLC team whether it's sort of like middle of the pack near the bottom top uh, I think all of them have a have a place there if they really want it.
2: Yamada, I can't believe that you're saying that we have volatile top laners from the UK. Oh, I, I, I I can't right. believe coin flip top laners with, with players like stable players like Kerberos, you know, and, <laughs> and everything like that. I feel I feel like I feel like that's what makes Shikari like so much like like just not not better, but like that's why I feel like Shikari stands out from a lot because I, I look at loads of other top laners and like the ceilings in the UK are hmm. so high. And I think mechanically, a lot of them are really good. But then there are just times where it's like, is it a bit too much of what they're trying to do? And then you've got the calmness that is Shikari, who is just consistent. And I, so it's like, but yeah, I, I actually really agree. I think Rifty didn't maybe, well, he, d- he obviously didn't perform as well as uh, what a lot of people would say. But that that doesn't mean sometimes no. that like that's no. a gate. That's no. it. You're over. No, you, know, no, you no, develop no, you, from that.
1: You can you can have a bad split and bounce back from it. There's plenty of. Players, both UKLC and at just any level in the world, <laughs> that have have had a bad split and then they bounce back from it, and they look like you know they're top of their game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I think it's it's more in in the case of Rifty, not that I want to talk like crazy long uh, about it. It's just that the expectations were so high
3: mm-hmm.
1: that when you fall below the the expectations, it it becomes a shock because uh, at some point, if the expectations are so high, it becomes almost like. You're expecting it; it's, a, it's a, almost a guaranteed certainty, and then it doesn't happen. It just it creates a, a larger amount of, of shock. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it was more his lane performances because I think outside the lane, Rifty still pretty much performed like mm-hmm. how we know Rifty to perform. Uh, it was just that he didn't walk into every lane and basically choke his opponent into the crowd. <laughs> um, which was more the, the surprising thing. And I guess as well on, on the on the flip side of things, it can speak to the the potential like sort of rise of new top laners as well. It's not like it's all from the side of has Rifty just gone worse. No, you can you can look at it and say quite a few of the top laners were
3: mm-hmm.
1: quite decent this split. Uh, yeah, Harchi obviously Merp sort of sort towards the end of the the split. Uh, I think Aragon's been solid since you know he's he returned in summer um, and DBL as well. So like there, there's loads of top laners which you know can hold their own. Uh, and was R- Rifty maybe not as Sharpie was was before, maybe. But I think you can still definitely say the top laners, the level of the top laners, the floor definitely rose a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you've got both of those forces colliding with each other, it it sort of and makes that look a bit.
2: I think that now, as kind of like League of Legends is developing more and more and more anyway, in terms of like from top down, hmm. um, there's a I think that there's a lot more forgiveness, especially in ERLs, in terms of like, you know, you've had a bad split. It's like where I you know, there used to be times where if you had a bad split in the LEC you are forever bad apparently because yeah. there's no development now there is like more development like you know uh senkox had to change his name so people would stop <laughs> you know saying that he was he was washed up even though he's yeah. great you know
1: yeah uh senkox is still really good uh crest now by the way <laughs> uh which i i didn't expect that because uh at least uh for me when i was when i started doing prep for UM. Uh, I'd been really bad at keeping up with a lot of the other ERLs. I think it was just the nature of doing the do, doing the UKLC on the weekends, keeping up with the NLC during the week, and then the LEC filled that extra uh, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
1: so it was kind of league every day from, you know, five or whatever. Um, so I was pretty bad at keeping up with the ERLs, and I, I got to to Cox's team, and I was like, I, I I almost had to double take, I was like, Cress? Okay, I've never heard of this guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I look I look at twenty twenty
0: one. Uh Senkox renames the Cress. Ah, all right, no, I know. <laughs> this guy's obviously capable. Yeah, definitely. I think that's maybe a, a good segue on to um EU Masters then. Um, yeah. um we- Obviously, focus on uh, Excel coming from our uh, our region. Do we, do
2: we have to? Do we have to so? <laughs> well, I don't think. No, it's... actually, it's not. It's not too bad. Yeah, I don't
0: think it's all um, all doom and gloom. But we... one thing we did say last week when we were kind of previewing the groups was that uh, opening against Schalke should have been kind of the best the best of a bad bunch, really. For XL, was maybe the the sort of weakest looking side out of that Group D. Um, but then obviously, it didn't go to plan in the first game. Now, when I was watching it, I was maybe thinking it was like almost a bit of complacency even. I think it, it was like a top lane, especially where um, where Schalke were able to get a couple of kills onto Arome and Markun, even when he tried to sort of even just come and clean up CS. Um, but when I kind of watched them back as well, it was like a few times Arome was like half out the lane with like no vision, maybe just a bit sort of overconfident. Um, yeah, what, what were your guys' thoughts? Do you think it was anything like that or...? I mean, for for me personally,
1: I I think what I took away from from the games was actually more on the on the side of Schalke because I coming into it, the way that I looked at the group was actually Calming Corp should have been at the top, and then mm-hmm. damn well proving that yeah, they I, are they I, I are very trying. very
2: good. <laughs>
1: um, and then I was actually I I mentally I put Bears at the bottom. I didn't actually have a lot of faith in Bears, uh, and I thought that second and third would be fought out between uh, XL and and Schalke. Um, because honestly, I looked at a lot of, I spent a lot of time watching the prime teams, um, in pre- probably the most out of any of the other um, regions. And the Germans are good, man. The Germans are really, really good. Um, and I think when they came out and just kind of mopped, uh, mopped XL, kind of just proved right. Even though Schalke, are, of course, you know, third seed, seeding doesn't always like tell the, the full story of things. Uh, obviously, sometimes, you know, you took a G2 Arctic, third seed Spain. Yeah, okay, cool. They're getting wiped in group b but even then some of the expectations for for a team from spain was hey g2 should be finishing probably in the like second trying to fight out i mean
2: for... g2 art did finish first in the regular season as well so it was like right they, they just didn't do it in the playoffs so i feel like there was to a lot of people yeah a bit more hyped about g2 art
1: yeah yeah but um for for group d I, f- I think xl complacency it's hard to it's hard to say i i I think you kind of have to, you have to sort of hear more from from the players and how they're speaking, right? Because as far as I'm aware, they've been kind of quiet on social media, like leading up to EUM and stuff. Um, granted, I'm very terrible at keeping up with social media, so you know. But uh, I feel like when teams are vocal, it's or players are vocal, it still rings around the the, the communities, right? Um, but I don't. A team like XL, I think the whole point of the roster was, you know, we're trying to go far in EUM, so. Complacency shouldn't be there. I think that, honestly, they just got gapped on the day. Like, just plain and simple, I think it just got outclassed. Um, and I think especially after how playoffs played out, where uh, throughout a lot of the regular split, Deadly was really quiet, Advion was sort of just as, and it was it was all about Arome Marcoon, mm-hmm. and then playoffs sort of happened, and then all of a sudden, Deadly like, was back, and it was like we had Deadly from last year return, finally. Uh, and then we get to EUM, and they just didn't really do much to supplement Deadly until it was too late in those first two games. It was like, their top side got demolished, and was like, okay, guys, let's fall back onto Deadly. <laughs> um, and it was that's just kind of how I looked at the games. I felt like they might have come into it uh, with a plan, but they weren't really assertive about it. And mm-hmm. I think that can look doubly like complacency when a team's not sort of proactively looking for plays, because yeah. that's what it looked like to me was they kind of just sat on their hands and lost in, in both of those games. They didn't really look for many points of recourse. In the in the Calming Corp game, you can definitely say they did because they sort of kept up with Calming Corp in, in the early stages. But I think that's kind of characteristic of, of KC where they're not going to be overbearing in the first 10 minutes. They'll they'll try and press these where they can, but they're not going to overreach and overstep too hard. But then as soon as the map opens up, it's, it's Calming Corp all day. And that's how they like to play the U of Legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once the map did open up for them, BTXL didn't really stand the chance. And the top side had lost so hard already uh, that Deadly couldn't really do much as much as they wanted to put resources into him. And then yesterday, when they finally made a proactive effort to actually put <laughs> Deadly up and ahead, lo and behold, they actually won the game. So I think it was just kind of a, a bit of a soul-searching thing from games one through three. Uh, and I think they kind of realized, you know, Arome, he's not having a great time. Uh, Hatrix, he's, you know, kind of... He's either there or he's not. Uh, and Marcoon is still Marcoon and he knows what he's doing. And as long as he's given a solid plan on, and a lane to play for, I think he'll be fine.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, one thing on that game, uh, on the win against Betis, uh, we say about Deadly, um, he was playing Varus that game as well, which I haven't really seen Varus, like, in... Yes. In, so... like, many playoffs and things. And then... I'm, I. I, I bet Deadly seeing... wanted to play Varus. I bet you Deadly screamed, <laughs> just let me play Varus. Well, I think, I'm I, sure I saw like, well, I might be making this up. I'm sure I saw X playing it um, yes. quite recently as well. And I wondered if it, what your thoughts were maybe on that pick, whether it could be like a bit of a tournament meta kind of thing or like maybe a few teams I, that have been
1: killing each other. Teams, I think teams have just been sleeping on Varus for quite a few weeks. Um, I remember uh, going into one of the. Uh, I think Brendan Valdez's stream, and he was just live watching uh, the LCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, uh, when it came to a point where one of the teams picked uh, the AD, he's like, if this is the LCK, this is a Varus pick. And I was like, I've not heard of any Varus being picked in the West. Why is that? And mm-hmm. I went and looked at a couple of the LCK games, and I was like, this champion's good. Like, and he's he's a pretty strong response to a lot of the meta AD carries right now. Why is he not being picked in the West? Um... And obviously, I think Calming Corp were the first team to pick up at least in the EUM. I don't think it got played in the play-ins, though there might have been one stray game somewhere from a team. Um, and ever since then, that's been about two weeks, three weeks ago now, um, I've just been on the Varus hype train kind of silently. I was like, this champion's good. I hope teams in the West pick like actually pick, pick this, uh, this champion up. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, now it's, it's starting to kind of catch wind. I think Varys, because he's such a versatile champion, he 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 doesn't like He doesn't just have to be the Lethali, he doesn't just have to be on hit He can actually build both as well in some cases uh, He's Whatever champion you need him to be As soon as you see the draft right? Uh, and I think that's one of the, the key things about him And he kind of just pounds Every ADC into the ground in lane That's meta right now, Jinx can't really keep up Zaya can't keep up, Kais can't keep up um, So I think as time goes on People kind of realise this guy is kind of Trumping all of the ADCs right now uh, and especially amongst the hyper carries too, that kind of want to be mobile, kind of want to go in, just press your key on them, all of a sudden they just can't move or they have to have cleanse. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just buys a lot of pressure in the lane and we saw BTXL use that champ too to, to uh, as much, yeah. basically the entirety of the success of that game came from from the Varus lane.
0: Mm-hmm. That's probably, could even be a good thing for XL then if like the other teams still aren't picking it up just yet. Um, yeah if if Excel make it out of the group, then that could be yeah, really handy like going into teams from those other groups. Um one thing on that that game as well that's kind of stood out to me was um it kind of seemed like a bit of a simple thing, but I think it was like there was a, a turret dive top uh from XL where mm-hmm. I think they were kinda of like posturing for it for ages and you could tell it was going to happen. Everyone knew it was going to yeah. happen, but they were just wait waiting and waiting and waiting. Didn't rush it, played it like really clean Went in, got the kill, and that and that was done. And that even just made me think, obviously, something looked pretty simple, but then the fact they just lost a couple of games, you'd think if their heads had dropped, if there was any kind of mentality issues, something like that, where you need to be all on the same page to to actually pull it off cleanly. Um and they they did. So at least from that it looked like to me that their their heads hadn't gone on anything. I think hatricks had like the way he'd been tweeting about the games as well, he still seemed really positive. He was the one person I did see um saying things in particular. So I think they're like not actually in a bad position considering that the Betis and Schalke are both one and two as well. I mean, yeah, from going for an 0-2 star, it's like really not all that bad, I don't think. I'm going
2: to be incredibly positive here. I I actually think that they are the second best team looking at them purely because I actually look at how BTXO have hopefully found their groove. And I do think that they have developed and, and kind of worked things out a little bit. I, it, it, for me, it looks like, um, and I think a lot of people probably agree, that BT came with this mindset that they were going to play one way and it didn't work. And now they kind of have developed a different way around it. And I think that's really smart. Um, And I do think that that will help them. Will they beat K-Cup? No, 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 <laughs> no one's beating K-Cup. K-Cup are probably going at 6-0. But will they possibly beat Schalke and, and, and should they beat Real Betis I do think that they should do going off I think how they can play if they play this way and they can kind of iron it out I actually do think that them playing uh the last I think they're the last day playing out of all of like the groups is a, a little bit of a shame for them now I think they would actually would have preferred maybe to have gone in you know like the first day or like the second day or something like that but it also does give them a little bit more time to perfect this style of what they're changing as well. So uh, there's pros and cons with that, but I do think that BTXL should get out of this group now. Um, we talk about obviously last year they were zero and three last year, and they were, they went three and three and got through. So two and you look at one and two, it's actually an improvement from last from last mm-hmm. time. So yeah. uh, we'll take that.
1: Yeah, I I mean I was kind of saying it yesterday. Uh, like if they went zero three. It's such an impossible task then ask them to beat KC mm-hmm. and then win all of their other games on the same day mm-hmm. that yesterday was kind of a must win. because um, you know, even if like if they go two one now next week, three and three, if you roll the dice, like Shoker lose to, to Bears, uh Bears I think would still lose to cake Corp and then obviously lose to, to XL. They'll only have two wins. And then there will be a tie break between Shalker and and uh, and uh, XL. And then they could get in through that way, but I I I can't remember the schedule properly. I think they play KCorp last.
2: So they play they play BT play Schalke, uh, then Betis, and then KCorp straight after. Which, if I'm being honest, probably the best three you can play actually yeah. in that order, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe swap so. Schalke, but playing KCorp last, I think is great. Uh, I think
1: I think playing K-Corp last is is good for quite a few reasons, right? Especially if mm-hmm. they go 2-0 against... Uh, if they're if they're 2-0 by the time they hit uh, K-Corp. Because, like... Their fate is fully in their hands. Because mm-hmm. if they beat K-Corp, then they know that they're in. I think mm-hmm. K-Corp, that will be their final game of the day as well. So, K-Corp will have... Probably have beaten Chalker and Bears before them. Mm-hmm. So both teams will be 2-0 on the day. And for XL, they know if they win, they should be through... I think that would be mathematically the the case. They would be through, uh, and if they if they lose, then chances are they should end up in a tiebreaker. I think, depending on the result of the best Schalke game afterwards,
2: which like I believe not... is the last game. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, honestly, I think they have a good a good shot. I, I think they got heavily caught off guard by by Schalke's playstyle on on day one and how readily available they were to punish the top side. Uh because you know Joppa's no slouch, we saw how he played in play-ins. Uh, you know, nuclear and I still think is probably top top three, top, top one through three. You argue about it all you want, uh, mids at the tournament. Um so just kind of being matched in in the solar lane so like readily, and then getting smashed like that, and then not having the backup plan already in place, I think, to play through deadly, uh, was kind of the big issue. And I think, honestly, after seeing the better Schalke game where uh S4 bot lane kind of just died 2v2 back-to-back for no reason. Uh, you know, if I, I think for Schalke, that is actually their, their weak point, right? It is their bot lane. So if they don't shore that up and BTXL come in with the sort of same mindset of, okay, we're going to play through Deadly Adveian, uh, We're going to make sure that, you know, Hackers is in a stable matchup. Uh, Orome can do whatever the hell he likes on whatever champion, as long as he's not, like, dying on every stacked wave. <laughs> Uh of just play through I don't think Shallc would be able to necessarily keep up, depending on how big that gap in the bottom lane ends up getting um through the resources put there. Uh so I think now moving into week two, despite the the severe beating it was on day one, that potentially looks like a positive matchup for XL. And you, you can maybe call it optimistic, but I don't even think it necessarily is after seeing XL finally be assertive again, like what we actually saw them be like in the NLC. Mm-hmm. And
0: um just a so- last thing I wanted to touch on on that group as well was like going back to K Corp um, obviously their lineup is one that you know you, you've seen most of the players do well elsewhere before and it was it was one that on paper everyone knew it was going to be so strong anyway Um but the one player I'd never really seen before was Adam the top laner and that guy is like an absolute animal I don't know I, I, I don't feel like teams can keep giving him Rennington I think that's pretty much the only champion he's <laughs> played so far but yeah he's like pretty ridiculous that was kind of the um, yeah the last thing I wanted to add <laughs> yeah no uh Adam's pretty good.
1: I, I don't know what to tell you. He seems to be a mm-hmm. bit of a monster. Um personally, I'd not I hadn't heard of him before the tournament. Obviously, I'd I'd like done a bit of research into into them sort of leading up to it. But I think you're right, man. They can't give him Renekton again. <laughs> I think it, it needs to kind of be because I, I can't remember the order that they're picking picking their champs in. I don't think they've necessarily been taking him in the first three, but if he's if he's not been taken taken in the first three, I think teams just have to ban Renekton against against the guy because he just mm-hmm. seems so competent in in any matchup. Even when he had to deal with uh, with Urgot, I think in the Bears game, which it's not it's not a losing lane for Renekton, but in the sense of Renekton wants to like plow through lane and get a lead, and that was my dog, and uh, <laughs> and Urgot kind of denies that. I think you can consider that like a losing matchup. And even though he he, he had to deal with that, he still came out and kind of smashed when it was necessary. So uh it's a scary thing. And I, I think that, you know, as, especially looking at the XL matchup. If you're XL, I think you probably just ban it. Even if you feel like it's it's like not a problem champion in the meta, it's a problem champion when Adam has his hands on mm-hmm.
2: him. But I've what I've heard as well, like all I know is that all the french fans just keep talking about adam constantly like everything on twitter is about adam you know they they absolutely love him in france which
1: which is is good hey i love the french fans this (laughs) this split they have been great i don't speak the language i've got to hit that translate button every time i I, I read beats (laughs) but man they are just such a positive bunch and even when you know uh they beat teams they all go to the team's twitters and say hey man gg is a nice game and it's like it's the most friendly i think fan reception i've seen <laughs> come out from a from like a, any particular uh region
2: but all i've heard is that the the fans are going to explode apparently if Adam gets aatrox now i haven't watched like much but apparently he's very good at aatrox hmm.
1: well let's hope he doesn't get aatrox then because that would be unfortunate for whichever poor team has to do but it.
2: in genuine like if if this team continues in the uh, the trajectory that they're doing, because I think a lot of people would say that that Group D is one of the stronger groups in E U Masters out out of the four. I think there's there's still a little bit debates on uh, on a couple of them, but I think a lot of people still call Group D like a strong strong group. Mm-hmm. So the fact that like if they can keep this trajectory and go on and say win E U Masters, which I don't think is like, at the realm of possibility, they're one of the favourites. This could be another situation like Agar Rogue. But are we just going to see all five of these players in the LEC in the LEC next split? Because it very much could be. Or yeah, I mean, or KCorp to be in the LEC next split. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think it's completely out of uh, of possibility. You know, I think a lot of those players are are probably fringe, like fringe LEC players, uh, especially at least going by their performances so far. um at UM, and even the way that they they kind of manhandled Misfits in in the finals was kind of impressive, uh, Mm -hmm. especially considering how Misfits have been playing so far. Um, But yeah, you know, Adam could be, obviously, uh, Seiken. Seiken's been... been...
2: If you're Vitality, and you're built as this French organization, (laughs) yeah, surely you're looking at Adam, though. Surely you are, because they are, like, their brand is very much, like, the French team. Mm. But then I also look at, like, Exmati and Targamas, and like this is no like shade on Jesklo and Promiscue at all, but like I would take those as a duo in a lot of like LEC kind of teams. Like we kind of saw it a little bit with Fnatic Rising, but unfortunately we didn't get like too much of it with Exmati and Targumas. But yeah. I want to see, I just want to see those two continue as a duo. Now I think they're actually really good together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the
1: whole team seems to balance well off one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to. Really understand how to like their, their strong side weak side understanding seems to be really good. Uh, even on on day one, I think when they, they like they they effectively had three lanes to to play around plus a relatively aggressive jungler, and I think that that was the renekton game where it's like they could play through renekton because he's renekton mm-hmm. by Urgot, so they just leave that matchup alone, and they basically just play mid through down to bot, and then the day after that, uh, they put May on ezreal. I think uh, takamas was on. On Alistar. Uh and then they just played fully through the top side. They let Mae scale up and then eventually Mae just did his thing because he's on Ezreal, right? You don't need a lot of resources to, to make that champion work. Uh so they they, they really do like seem to complement each other well, I think, like in every sort of pairing, like mid-jungle, top, uh, top jungle, bot, support jungle. Um so yeah, I I agree with you on that front.
0: Mm-hmm. Um with that, I think maybe we Take a look at some of the other groups as well. Obviously, yeah. um, not only Group D that's going on, and there's been like a, some decent upsets already as well. So if we start, uh, if we look, literally just go in order. Looking at Group A, kick yeah. zero three. Yeah, uh, who uh, saw yeah. that coming? You know, I I think
1: forget kick zero three. I I think Amorphosis is picking up wins. Might <laughs> yeah. even, might even take the the cake. Uh, I, when we a did win.
2: our uh, when we did our like rundown of it, we were yeah. like, yeah, big. Always the consistent team when they make it into UMass, has always seem to do well and perform. Everybody underrates them. Uh, Makers got a got a like a really good side around them. Kick, obviously it's kick, and then we are just like, yeah. And then there's this Greek team. you know, feel sorry for them. And yeah, you're right. <laughs> they, they actually got a victory <laughs> of this. Over, on this. Um,
1: yeah, I, I don't think they've looked like terrible, terrible either in in their losses. Um, so. Uh, yeah, uh, kick. I think yeah, kick being zero free probably the, the the biggest. I think the Polish teams in general. I don't know. I'm a little bit conserved on on my opinion on the Polish teams this this EUM so far. Not just because kick is zero free, but even like Rogan Luminar's performances. Albeit yes, two and one. It's, it's like it's obviously the, the one of the best. Well, there's only a one more better start you could get is going zero free uh, zero right, <laughs> but. Again, it's sort of the same situation for me as, as UCAM where I look at UCAM and I'm like have UCAM outside of the, the game against Matchco, where the their draft was just so like lopsided that it's impossible to to lose that game, have they really looked like convincing? No. I think it, it's not fair to take away from from them and say they don't deserve to be uh free zero or anything like that. But were they in like group D, for example, what would they be doing as well? Right. If, if you swap them with Carmin corp and, uh, and put them in that group would they be free zero i i don't know mm-hmm. um or i don't think so really um but yeah I, I think group a big doing about is expected right uh I, I, this is german efficiency i don't think there's a, you don't have to you don't have to <laughs> coin it in any other way uh these guys are just fucking good at league sessions that's mm-hmm. that's it um makers I, I need to look. I need to look more into into makers. I think.
2: I mean, makers one, is basically what an NLC side would We we yeah. made this show. Ju- it would be yeah. what an NLC side it, would it, be it, it, if we had three seeds. Yeah, uh,
1: Gorborg Gal- 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 has been sort of calling them our, our th- third or second uh, NLC seed at, at UM uh, for that exact reason. Right, three mm-hmm. Danish, free uh, Danish players. Uh, I mean, he's, he's friends with them as well. So I <laughs> think he's like, yeah, this is, our, this is our team. It's our region's team. <laughs>
2: Um, well, I'm supporting everyone who's got a former Riddle player in, so just quite a few <laughs> of them
1: actually. Yeah, yeah, they're they're kind of they're spread out across the uh, the groups this time mm-hmm. around. So,
0: well, and with uh, um with Anorphosis as well, we joke about them like doing better than expected. If we're not careful, they're going to get the extra seed that the bloody NLCS after though. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm trying- dreading
2: the one seed we get if BTXL oh. don't get out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about that. I I think rightfully so. Uh, me being kind of new to being passionate about the regional stuff, it if I'm being blunt, the NLC should have three spots simply for the the easy fact of the UK had two, and then the other tele-regions had two as well. And I think it'd be unfair to give the NLC four, so you just meet in the middle. You just go, okay, uh, two 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 main stage, one play-in, or even one main stage, two play-in is, mm-hmm. is probably still fair. Um, but I think one play in one, like one, one main stage, especially when you've got two academy teams, like in, in this region, it's kind of crazy. And then it, it it sort of, it trickles down to even like the other teams, they don't necessarily even want to like go too crazy in this region anymore, simply for the fact of, well, if Fanaic and XL are always going to top the group and always make it to finals and always go to UM
2: it's like unless you're getting like a riddle situation which was yeah. well, those yeah. five friends who just wanted wanted to play together essentially and you know and that's how it occurred and and that's no like there's no shade on like riddle getting those players like I would get those players as well but like you're not if in terms of like, actually building a roster for the organization to try and compete you are going to find it more difficult cuz mm-hmm. like I said you are know, why why can't you just go yeah. to italy with makers exactly. and, and get that yeah yeah it's
1: like it's it's the literal like comparison it's like why would you go to nlc where there's two academy teams that are basically gatekeeping the um spots when you can go to italy the 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 uh what you call it the opportunities are far more lucrative players over in italy uh and even like when things like covid clear up it's like a lot of the time the italian teams just outright have gaming houses and things like that where you you get to go spend split in italy well i mean what's (laughs) what's not to like about that um so yeah, it, it definitely sucks. Hopefully XL's performance is enough to maybe uh have things be reconsidered, especially when you, you look at some of the the other not to throw shade at the, the other like sort of uh considered weaker regions, but when you think about we're being compared to regions like Greece, where it's like, okay, come come on now. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um so it's it's a tough situation hopefully again BTXL salvages our our, our hopes and, and dreams because I I think it also kind of in a way does slowly cripple the the Nordic region too yeah. because if there's less teams that want to sort of be involved less like uh investment goes in the players are like okay we might as well just go elsewhere mm-hmm. it, it slowly it's slowly just going to dwindle down the the whole
2: because as well like if I'm being honest um I feel like if there was like three sides, uh, three seeds, then maybe a side like Nordavend who yep. are like a a big, big team, maybe they think, okay, we're going to invest a lot more money going into this because we have the more chance of getting into EU masters exactly, or that's... a galaxy race, yeah. for example, who have just come in now, obviously a very, very popular side in, in the East anyway. Like they may be right. Okay. Well, this is our chance to kind of get our name in the, in the European stage. But I, I don't think they're going to see that when they've got Fnatic and XL who are, clearly building these, like, massive super teams, or tried to build these super teams, so it's like, you know, and we did see, like, we saw, like, competitiveness, and we did see, like, some good sides, but like, there was, like, a clear, we're going to focus more on maybe trying to develop some players and try and keep some of them. I know mm-hmm. that was, like, definitely what Nord of were basically trying to do. They wanted, they were trying a to bit, go more of a long-term project. For a two-week,
1: two-split project, yeah. Which, small tangent, that's something that teams don't do enough in the ERLs. Also, they they kind of just, one one split drop, one split drop. I think you need to give teams two splits worth of time. Especially if you're, if you're trying to be in the NLC, I think you should definitely aim for that. I think it's important, obviously, to you know have a strong roster and not end up in relegations uh but when you have to deal with Fnatic and XL over the course of a year I think trying to allow a team to develop over the course of that time is is really important as well
0: and I feel like with like the the kind of lineups that Fnatic and XL had that's for the teams that's got to be like your your selling point to try and do it to try and say you know maybe we're not gonna maybe you won't go to e-master's this split but come here spend a, a whole a whole season if you like you can develop, you can play against Febbervern, you can play against Rome and, and these types of names. Yeah, I suppose that's like the only option they got right now. Because even when we had Goldborg on before, he actually said that um, players that he's spoken to actually have told him that, that with those two academies there, they just don't want to play in this league because it's, there's just no point. They're not going to get to you Masters, especially with that's... Italy with kind of like slack import rules. They can more or less build the, the same roster they would have anyway. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. It's one of those like until something changes, it's either going to get worse. And then as soon as there is an extra seed, you feel like it should get much better. Uh, and the the player pool in the obviously the, the Nordic regions, especially, is massive. So it's yeah, you like, should the, the players yeah. are there to make these kind of teams. It's just giving them the incentive, I suppose. Yeah. Uh,
1: if the incentive is maybe being Fnatic or XL, yeah, exactly. that's the hurdle you have to hop over to make it to EUM. Why would you do that? Like, mm-hmm. why would you even as a player? risk your time because it's not like splits are are a short amount of time it's you know spring split is is a month and a half two months uh and then summer is even longer why would you invest that much time when you could if if you're a really skilled player obviously go over to one of the the uh the major major regions or if you're at the nlc level and you're trying to make that next step up just go to italy there's there's, it's it's kind of as simple as that when you know your chances over there are going to be higher on a a roster to make it to you Mm
2: -hmm. and i do think that um like i think i think i I believe the the people who run that lec run EU masters because i think that one of the main guys involved he's like been tweeting and saying that they are looking at reviewing like seeds and you know possible play-ins and and it could mean that they're either going to have uh because I, I do think that there is actually a point where you maybe you could expect extend play ins and add more teams in to give, say, the NLC like two play ins uh, seeds or something like that. And and even if it's just, um, even if it's the same amount of teams going into EU Masters itself, you could maybe just add an extra team in that group. So it makes it a little bit harder, but it still at least provides more opportunity. Um, yeah. But we've praised. Well, we, we've kind of talked about the NLC. Let's be honest, though. If we look at Group B and we look at G2 Artic's performances, <laughs> how did they side? How did Fnatic Rising lose to them? Because they have played terribly, and, and there's, there's no—I don't think there's no walking around it, really. Uh,
1: I just don't think Fnatic Rising were that good. This bit, <laughs> I, 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 just, just to be to be blunt, I think for the kind of side that Fnatic Rising have been for as long as I've been around, it, it was you know shadow of, the, of of their former self type performances going on for me um i think their their thrashing by by G2 was kind of just the embodiment of that i, I and it's tough because like the, F- the Fnatic rising roster wasn't bad right you know you've got maxi you've got seven uh, pride has always been like a talking point for for them uh but something just fell off about their play throughout the split for me it wasn't that same kind of calculated sort of by the books but still this kind of strange by sort of characteristic fanatic aggression type stuff that we'd always seen it was hey we can do this so let's do it hey like these guys are kind of doing some illegal gameplay right now let's let's punish it and that was kind of as as far as, as fanatic kind of went uh and when it came to some of the lower NLC sides in their group, they just skill checked them because they don't really have to do anything else. Uh and then when they came up against XL, who even XL, I think, in the regular split, you know, they had their clear weaknesses. They kind of just got again, they, they just got they got fresh by XL and in, in both the, the semis, uh, the winner semis and then obviously the finals. Um so I wasn't even too surprised to see them get dunked on by G2. I think it was more the fashion. I think both games in the in the sort of isolation of that that series, I think their drafts are just off, in, in my opinion. I, and I was I was with uh, orcs, Excoundrel, munchables, I think as well, uh, watching that series. And to me, I, I think uh, planes was played on eleven point six. I know in in the main stage it's actually on eleven point seven, but I I just kind of said it out loud. I was like, these guys are drafting as if it's like eleven point three. Like these guys seem really far behind on the map, uh, and yeah, it's like the first game they drafted TF is like no strong side lanes. All right, why is TF even there? What does he get to do? Mm-hmm. Uh And they kind of s- softly repeated the same mistake in in a in game two, and G two just kind of ran away with it. Pride, I I don't know, man, just didn't didn't get to play the game, whether for his own volition or not. It was just a. Yeah I, I I just don't think G2 looked that uh not G2 Fnatic looked yeah. uh, that strong this split.
2: I think it's uh, I think it's really interesting because like um uh, I I kind of looked at the players individually and I looked at like the skill levels of the players but like I then compared it to the likes of like Dan I for me I look at like Dan and Matias Felix like those two core players from like Fnatic you know from uh, previous Fnatic iterations to kind of now and I looked at that and I was like would this side have actually overall been better with Dan and Magi Felix together, despite the fact that I don't know like the skill? <laughs> Look at the dogs at all. <laughs> like, yeah. like, even though like I feel like maybe like skill wise, uh, Maxine Feruthin might have more like skill together individually. I really it made me realize how good the, that dynamic Magic Felix and Dan actually was because Magic Felix well, could be quite aggressive, but then you always had that assurance from Dan. I felt well. I don't yeah. know if that was kind of. That was not the only thing I looked at. Fnatic sometimes and been like, there wasn't that chemistry. That could also just take time as well.
1: Yeah, uh, it's hard to say. Maybe in summer they come back and and they look like massively better. Yes, hello. <laughs> yeah, maybe they come back and they look massively better. But uh, you know, for me, the split it really wasn't it. And no. like you say, I think that maybe there's like that lack of, of a commanding voice. But you feel like somebody is, is seasoned of, uh, as seasoned mm-hmm. as Febby would would bring that to a team so uh it's hard to say maybe maybe Febby is just quiet uh, as as a player and that even with with the experience that is just his personality and Mm -hmm. that's fine that that is how some players can be but then who do you look towards right because is it pride and uh, because you know from from a top laner's perspective i feel like a lot of the time top laners don't necessarily want to be too vocal they want to focus on on their own like small island that is top lane Mm -hmm. uh and you know, leadership roles from top more or less come sort of in the mid-game as opposed to the early game. But the early game at the moment in this mare is is the most crucial point in, in the game for uh, for most matchups because it, it will set the tone for a majority of these games just because of how sort of dragon-bound the matter is. Uh so yeah, it's it's hard to say exactly why the weaknesses came in. Yeah, mm-hmm. one second, I'm gonna my
2: my, my play out quick.
0: That's all right. It happens. So um,
2: Lee, I'm going to ask you then this question quickly. Go on. Uh, and I'll 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 give the same question to you, mother as well. What is the most surprising thing about Group B? And there's three options. Is it support being two and one? G2 Arctic being zero oh and three, or two Polish sides being in the top two?
0: <laughs> That's good. You've had that one prepared, haven't
2: you? Oh, I did. <laughs> I did.
0: Uh, I'd say still probably Arctic uh, G2 Arctic.
1: Really, I, I don't know, man. I think Rogue are always going to be top half. I think LFL uh, the the region, even though yes, Misfits got dunked on hard by calming Corp. I think it's forgivable to be dunked on by calming Corp. Uh, I think it's more the surprising performance of Sup Up for me. I, I'm sorry to kind of rob your 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 answer. Um, <laughs> I think it was it was more sup up stepping up. I think G two are always going to end up in the bottom half of this group. As much as I love a I'm sorry, brother. Uh, it 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 would have been it it would have been a tough ride. I think um, either way you look at it, I think at best G two would scrape second, or would have scraped second in the group. I th- I thought I think now it's almost impossible. Because of yeah, it, the face, fact that it all... basically
2: is. I, I think there is yeah. like like a miracle. The... Which could I don't happen,
1: know because but... I'm looking at the group now. I don't know what the route would be because they'd have to beat all all three teams, and then all of the other teams would have to beat each other in sort of like a circle.
2: I think all of the team would have to go one and two, and then yeah, I don't know. Would it would it be? A th- I don't know how that I, would even work. To yeah,
1: it. yeah, and then the well the head to head start it would be mayhem in group B, but um, yeah, uh, I. The, the, the Polish question is funny. I, I think Group B. I think the only surprising thing about Group B is the fact that SUP Up have actually come in and like surprised everybody. Because mm-hmm. I think, especially when you get uh, teams that end up in in the main stage from the Balkans or the Baltics in general, uh, everyone just kind of looks down on them and says, "Well, they're not Poland, they're not Germany, they're not France, they're not Spain." So obviously these guys belong in the fourth spot of, of their group. Uh, so when when teams do overperform. Uh, or just not even necessarily overperform, just just break the general expectation mm-hmm. of where they're they're expected to finish. It surprises everybody. So mm-hmm. for me, Group B, it's more about Sup Up than than you know G two Arctic coming in and losing every single game they play.
2: No, I, I I agree. I think that the fact that Sup Up are like joint first, essentially, obviously give or take like head to head heads or anything like that, but they are they are basically first. Um, I think it's. It's so surprising. Whether I think that's going to continue, um, I am always going to be a pessimist when it comes to sometimes the outside the top four regions. And I do think, was it just you know two really good games which had occurred? But actually the way that they they played as well as has not been bad. Even in the loss to like Ego Rogue, I don't think it was like, oh my gosh, this side is a fourth place side. It's not like the games which I've seen with G2, if I'm being honest, where I've been like, oh yeah, maybe there was just a bit too much of a step up. But I... Yeah I, I I think that I I do think that actually if I look at the 3 I think the one which I'm worried about most is Ago Rogue uh, because I actually look at Misfits players and I look at kind of like a lot of the experience I think in some of those players I do think that's actually going to play quite a big key in like the the massive like you know one day round especially if you can kind of get momentum through that and if SupUp do end up performing is there a chance where we don't see Ego Rogue in this in in the knock in the knock uh, playing sorry well if, playoffs yeah it
1: it would it would be a pretty big hit I think to to Polish fans especially like Rogue being uh being the champions but I think what something that the, the team spoke about uh the team being the, the on air before before the tournament started was who does the title really belong to right. Uh, and I don't know if the narrative was necessarily pushed on air, so I apologize if if, <laughs> if it has, because then you already know. But does it belong to the organization Rogue, or does it belong to the five players that were on Rogue when when they won it? Right? Because okay, cool, Rogue are back, and I think that's expected, uh, just by sort of the the prestige of the organization. But is it still Rogue's EUM? Right. Is do, do they realistically still hold the title when you swap out an entire roster mm-hmm. and, and you make it back to the same position? I, I think there's an argument for both. I think it's hard to say. I personally always will lean on it belongs to the players. Um not to take away from organization or anything, but you know, I think that there's such a great impact that can be had from, you know, just players a different coaching staff that. I don't think it's necessarily rogue's championship anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even if the, if they were to fall out and sup Up somehow managed a, a crazy miracle, I, I wouldn't even call it crazy. I think sup Up, if they made it to to cause, they would deserve it. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would have worked their their due for it. Um, and I, I've, like I said, I've been kind of skeptical uh, skeptical skeptical of uh, of the Polish team so far. I don't like as much as they looked close domestically against mm-hmm. one another. You know, kicker kind of choking. I think Illuminar have had, again, whilst two and one, a mixed bag of of performance, uh, and the same can kind of be said for Rogue. And when some are stepping up in in Group B, and Misfits are, you know, they're they're Misfits still. Uh, free, getting free and one by K-Corp or not, they are still a very strong side. Uh, it's hard for me to gauge these guys.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I with regards to like the. Who does the title belong to? I think that you can say, um, and, and it sounds really weird because it doesn't apply to like uh, like traditional sports. But I think that you can say that Rogue are the champions, but Rogue aren't the reigning champions. I know that sounds really weird, but it's like they have won it, and they've, the the organisation as well can be should be credited with that. But to call them kind of going in as the reigning champions, I think is a bit like disingenuous because none of the players who kind of won it are there now. I feel like if I don't think it will happen, but if Rogue go on to win it again, then maybe there is more of a say that actually it is Rogue. Like it doesn't yep. matter the player because it's Rogues of the organization who are building these teams and knocking it out of the park. And while the players obviously deserve the recognition, the fact that you can do it with kind of two separate rosters, I think is incredibly impressive. I don't think that's going to happen if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, but uh, when it, if, it, if they do make it into knockouts, I, I do think that you know, anything can happen in that sense. But I... It's like, a final point, like, I, I do think that, like, Misfits do... See, I was going to say that Misfits do look the best, but actually I do. I think SUPUP actually do look the best. But I just don't think that up are going to continue that. And But I do hope that they do, because it is nice to kind of see a different, you know, uh, not see we're going to see two German semifinals or two Polish semifinals, two French semifinals, because while that's great, you know, narrative-wise, and it's great for, like, the fans themselves like if we're being completely selfish you probably want a french final do the duo french final if you're looking at viewership wise and what's going to bring more in but like I, mean, I like it where you've got different regions going after yeah. each other
1: I, I agree i think the more the more med- uh, the more regions the merrier i think it brings you know sort of the strange camaraderie but also uh a rivalry between mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. more of the regions um and you know we saw it uh, last year with Polskagor and we're seeing it this year with uh with the French fans and the you know the mask flare thing which I love that A V too. Um yeah when when you get like these communities that sort of come together and say, hey this is us. We're represented here we're we're actually good guys we could keep up. Uh it makes it makes the story that much more exciting when there's more you mm-hmm. know factions fighting it out for for the tourney but yeah I agree. If we get a French French final uh that would be cool for ship, for one uh and and for two uh i think it would be like a really big outpour of just i, I like because who do the french even fight at that point right who do the french fans even
2: <laughs> just go argue amongst themselves <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, uh, and everyone else gets to watch the mayhem um,
2: well this is the best thing with eu masters is like while obviously it's separate teams like you do have this sense of like supporting your region which i mm. which you don't see that much even in like for me, riff rivals and, and stuff like that. I, I don't even feel like that emotion when it comes to that, but like you have like mini rivalries, like Poland and, and base of the Nordics essentially, you know, cause it's like who should really have that third spot kind of, you know, discussion, which is always nice back and forth as long as it's in like, you know, jest good and good everything. it's yeah. all good. Uh, but then you've, and then you've also got like right now, I would say, you know, the prime league and the LFL who are like, right. Who's the best kind of, Region competitively, they've got the SLO like, hello, now we're here as well. But like, I think it's, I think it's great having kind of different, you know, uh, like good rivalries to come through because we're, we're EU and we love narratives, mm-hmm. so you know, it's perfect for us. Yeah,
1: and Definitely. and the EU in general between the ERLs are like so diverse in their own sort of special way when it comes to on the rift gameplay too. Um, from sort of a, a a technical wish standpoint of, of league uh so it's, again it, it just heightens that 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 sense and like you say the, the narrative just gets all, all the the more exciting
0: mm-hmm. definitely well they um there's one group that we haven't really touched on too much just yet uh which is group c now we mentioned a bit about um about you cam and and tom you said off air that you owed an apology maybe to them as well
2: um... yeah i said that they were definitely the third seed in the slo like yeah they won it yeah but you know you look at G2 Arctic, they they won, you know, and they beat Fnatic, you know, they won the regular season, they beat Fnatic, and, you know, like I, I even looked at like Betis, I was like, oh, Betis are probably really good as well, and, you know, they look solid, and I I, I, I think I may have said that they were lucky to a point of UCAM, which I think was unfair of me to say, <laughs> uh, especially now that they're 3-0, and, you know, And but I did always say that I love Dredi, because, you know, you got to represent the, the NLC, and Dredi. what what a, Different player, Didi actually looks like from when like I previously saw him. I think it's ridiculous, and I don't. I don't think that like out of all of the three O's, are you kind of, like the least convincing three O? Obviously, three O is still great. You know, you're basically guaranteed players. They probably are for me like the the least convincing out know, like the three O's in terms of performance. But then for me, the I did not expect to see Mouse. Not being in the playoffs at this point, and I think that's like even more surprising mm-hmm. than you can be in 3 0. Like Illuminar themselves, like I know obviously we talked about you know, I think there's this perception that the Polish league is a two team league, like and maybe we're right now because it looks like Illuminar might be that second team now because Kick obviously didn't perform, but Illuminar from like playings onwards have actually looked really strong, and again, this kind of group has just made keep, keeps making me eat my words because I looked at it and I was like, I think if Fnatic Rising were in any of those other play, uh, you know, other groups in play-ins and everything like that, they would have easily beat a team like Illumina. And I I don't know if they would have done now looking at them. So I, I, it's, it surprised me the most Group C, but mm. actually in a really positive way, in the way that I think it could make for a really exciting final day.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I... Like I I I agree, I think UCAM have had maybe the least, you know, convincing freeo run. Um you know. I I don't know. I've always had my suspicions of youcam for some reason. Uh I, I don't know what what caused the inkling. They're they're getting along fine. I think the biggest surprise in this group is actually Maus, but mm-hmm. I think that's more derived of their drafting style and just how mouths want to play League of Legends, and I think it has its place in the meta. I just think that it doesn't have a comfortable place in the meta. Uh, and I think when you end up consistently putting yourself on timers because you want to skill check teams, etc., etc., you're naturally going to end up losing more games if the players actually have the caliber to stand up to your skill checks for long enough. Just because champion versus champion stuff just starts to get harder and harder. Um, and that's why I think Mals are struggling in this group personally. because uh, like Illuminar and UCAM, they're not rollovers. Um mm-hmm. and when you are a team like Mals, where you play in, in, in Prime League and you kind of you know, you beat on everybody until the sort of the top end of the uh top end of the table. And then you come to EUM and you've got those same caliber of teams, that's why you kind of see what's happening in, mm-hmm. in group C. Um I think, unfortunate for Machico to kind of be in a group like this, but I look across the other groups and I say, would it have been better in the other groups? I don't know. Um, but, yeah. I, I, something, I feel like UCAM might end up doing something stupid like going 0-3 next week for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, you know what? Quote me on it, I'll look like a genius if it actually happens. I think it's more likely they end up like 4-2 and two for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I feel like the two wins that they got and I think yesterday, it I, I was you come and, and maus I was casting, right? So even in that game, again, I think maus were their own worst enemy in that game. More than you come doing anything spectacular. Again, not to take away from teams, it's it's a credit to them that they have gone free, free 0 right? They, they put in the work and the effort and the, they made the decisions that got them to that point. But did the enemy teams make it that hard to mm-hmm. do it? you look at the magical game, not really. Illuminar could have gone either way. So that's that's why I feel uncertain on UCAM at yeah. the moment. Will they get through in, in Group C? I, I, I hope so, and I feel like they will. But then I look at quarters and I look at any of the teams that they could end up playing. Would they necessarily kind of be on that team? I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, are, there, are they a team where, say, if they I do feel like finish first, would you be I like, think... I, I hope BT get them? <laughs> yes yes yeah.
1: yes yes I, I that that would be exactly it. i think if btxl finish second in group d and you can finish in C. in my head i'm like roll roll you can roll you can please if if btxl were to roll big then it's it's like it's doom and gloom uh at least in, in my eyes i
2: think I'm i feel many, like yeah, that'd just be doom. sad I, yes. I actually genuinely feel like big v <laughs> vbt would just be a sad game because i feel like big will not dominate you but they will just bleed you out yeah and it, you just watch it and you you would know within 15 minutes that you've lost yeah. you just can't stop it and, yeah. and they will take as long as they want doing it and it's great well great for them not for, for, us, for, like...
1: for yeah great great for mm-hmm. them so yeah uh tough tough for for bt if if they don't roll you can't assuming you can come first yeah um but yeah in, in group c i think you can look a bit sus man i i, I don't know i they're definitely uh,
0: out of the three O teams. They've, if we're not saying like talking about how well they're playing, it is clearly they've got the easiest opposition right now based on how everyone else is playing, like in their group. Um, it's funny with Malz as well because, like you say about trying to skill check teams, and obviously they've got leader as like their star player who is known for for picking his assassins and whatnot. But then when you look at their games so far, the one win they had was when he was playing Victor, who's like clearly much more of just the normal yeah, like control uh, mage. That-
1: that is uh that is something that me and and Hitbrain spoke about when we was doing a little bit of brief prep uh, mm-hmm. going into the matchup. Is like, you know, Lee spent so much of, I mean, not just to split his career right, playing these yeah. champions. I really Yone in recent, obviously Yasuo, yeah. all all of these. Like, hey, we're here to to make sure that you're playing up to your game.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then you know, he comes out first game playing uh, a <laughs> playing Victor. Did the game look convincing? No, because Annie is a strange champion in in that kind of way. Uh, but then they win, and that's the important thing. And it was still a mouse draft. I th- draft. I think it's important to highlight that was still very much like in character for draft uh, for for mouse. But it was just the Victor pick, which m- I guess it just shuts down leaders like assassin champion pool. And I, I think that's probably why they picked Annie in the first place. Uh, but then they move on to the onto their more assassin based picks. Uh, and you know they're, they're struggling again um, and again I think it's just sort of the the way the meta sits at the moment is you can't always get away with these drafts versus teams that or that, that contain players that will survive the skill check
3: because
1: mm-hmm. uh, you will just end up getting outscaled you will end up getting out team 4 uh, I think yesterday was a near exception to that because I think they had very much a a sort of meta draft Silas I I just think in in that position it's fine if you're looking to snowball but if it was another team and they end up locking in something like I don't know uh whatever you'd really want into, into Sindri, you know uh as long as it was a control mage then that team would have just looked far more stable and I think that was the the key thing because as soon as you have silas there it turns into a, a true skirmish composition uh and that's when it starts turning into skill checks, and then you have to rely on gadget later on, uh, or sort of in the mid game onwards to to start trying to like layer in the poke, and then hope that the poke can turn into skirmishes that they win. And that's not really a way that you can consistently rely, uh reliably play League of Legends at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose given like that that kind of thing if if you are saying like they they kind of have to change their identity to actually yeah to I actually think move that's... on. If you're doing what? that like in the middle of a tournament as well, even if they scrape it through the group, would there like, be much chance they make a proper deep run? Like, I don't know. It's
2: not looking like him. So- I think there is because like we, we I, I feel like it's fair to say that we, we did also say the same thing about XL because XL came in and have changed kind of what they're planning on doing and, and kind of what the, you know, kind not their identity Per se, in terms of exactly how they play it, but at least how points of which they should focus. So I do think that Mouse should do it. The question is: is is is, is will Mouse do it? Because like yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. it's this thing where this team has been built around like leader, and leader built this team for this reason. So yeah. will will he want to? I'll, you
1: know, I'll yeah, I'll put it in in plain terms. This team is capable of probably making it almost all the way to finals, if not to finals, in my opinion. That's how highly I think of, of this, this mouse roster. But will they willingly bite the bullet and say, okay, the way that we play the game at the moment, just plain and simple, does not work at, at EU Masters. Mm-hmm. Because these, these teams, or at least in our group right now, we've got teams who could probably, well, not necessarily stand up to me, but they're on... Uh, or, or Big and, and Schalke they're in this sort of cohort of, of teams that would sit in, in, in the Prime League so we can't just always outright win against these teams And so are we willing to change in order to maybe make it into quarters and then try and go the distance and I think if they come out next week and they stay the same they lower their own chances of making it to to, to the knockout stages in my opinion mm-hmm. and it's a shame because I think this is a really talented roster uh and like i just said i feel like it's the kind of roster that preliminary in like preliminary sort of rankings you would you would probably place top four top five in in the tournament uh and you wouldn't you wouldn't hear any complaints about it um but again it's i think it's it's a mere thing i i think uh sort of exactly like g2 right g2 said we struggle to to deal with this team fighting mayor. we can't really play team fights uh I think it's kind of the same thing for them. I think Mals can play team fights very apparently, so, but they have to just make sure they're giving themselves the correct tools. Fallback mechanics are also really important. Which, when you draft like Mals, that's what they lack. They don't have the fullback mechanics to sort of save themselves if they do end up falling behind.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and then finally with with, with Mako, like Owen three. I don't. I think that's kind of it for them. But again, yeah. nice to see C Boy. Nice to see Stem Sten Boss as well. So. Yeah. But I I think it is a bit, I think they're a bit disappointed with themselves. I think especially when you kind of look at makers and obviously if you looked at it just off EU Masters, you'd probably think makers were like the first seed, but they weren't. You know, makers were the side which had to go through play-ins. Mako won, you know, the the Italian the Italian region. You know, they, they were considered the better team uh, overall. So to see them, you know, fall down, um, I think it's a bit... I think, with like I said, with the kind of the strength of the other teams as well, you've kind of got Mouse, who I think are very much a again, if you are not skill checking with them, I think it's it's very difficult no matter even what they play, really. And then I do think Illumina have looked a little bit better in this group than what I actually thought they did in like play ins, because um, I would have possibly had like Illumina probably were mouses maybe a little bit more but i just think that yeah it, it was a case for mako where I, I think that there was just too many strong sides and again I, I actually look at like you said you always know, like it would we put them in over team with the way that they've been playing would they be anywhere else I, I think it would be hard to kind of say if they would you know may, maybe they'd maybe they would do better in group three maybe with the way that g2 arts could have been playing but i don't know i think it, i think it'd be hard to say
0: mm-hmm. i suppose it at least shows that um that the fourth NLC scene would be a bit of a push, and um, yeah, maybe we don't deserve <laughs> quite that many.
2: But I think as well, like uh, just overall, like why we are seeing still like zero and threes, and it is like the biggest criticism is like because there's this talk of should we have more U Masters places? Should there be more teams which can go in? Because you know there's this you know not narrative, but there's, the de- ecosystem is developing, and yet we still do see see some sides go zero and three. And you know, that some kind of heavily dominated games, whether that be in you know, in like the main event or whether that be in playing. So there is like a to and fro with that. And so it is it is easy to kind of look at and say, Oh, we should have more seeds, you know. And I'm actually a component for saying we maybe should have more teams, but then I also look at it and think, Well, I don't want to have two teams who are not great and nobody really wants to watch in, in the main event, you know, unfortunately. So I, there is, like, a big balance with that. I do think that some sides do need to start strengthening and seeing the likes of Sup Up like, and, and, and you know, and even makers kind of making those pushes does help, I think, in, in that story because I feel like, you know, you, you, you should expect, like, the other main regions to do well. And I do think, actually, to get more seeds, you have to expect these lower regions to start pushing as well. And I, I think the G2 Arctic ones is just, like, an anomaly in that equation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I I agree. So I, I don't have much. To add. <laughs> yeah, that's fine.
2: Um,
0: yeah, to be honest with that, that was obviously been the last group um, for us to chat about. I'm pretty much uh,
2: ready to wrap up for this one. Is
0: there any uh, any any last things you
2: wanted to touch on, Tom? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the question right right now. Oh, oh yo, who is winning EU Masters? <laughs> like straight uh, off.
1: I think it's it's KCorp, uh, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't see many worlds where they actually end up not winning. I think if we get big K Corp finals, that would be probably it's the irresistible
2: most force versus immovable yeah. object. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um and that's maybe when we'd start seeing K Corp actually put under stress potentially. But even then I i kind of see them winning. And I think that's the whole point of, of that that roster. That's why it was made yeah. for much like XL's uh, in in that sort of contrast except k-corp are fucking insane and that's <laughs> that's the major difference mm-hmm. um for for me at least when i look at that roster so i think it's k-corp if if it isn't k-corp by some unholy miracle uh it's it's probably big uh and if it's neither of those two then i don't know what the hell happened <laughs> <laughs> they both, way, what they did is they both
2: drew each other in in the knockouts and yeah, both, I mean, like, stri- yeah, they both go- like straight so they got so weak at the end of it. The-
1: there is um they can end up on the same side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. I think that is possible. So um that that would have to be it. It would have to be K Corp and Big on, on one side. And if they end up uh meing at semis, then realistically I think that's the finals. I think yeah. if if they end up meeting at semis, uh whoever wins that is likely just gonna end up winning EUM. Yeah. Not to mm-hmm. say that all the other teams are just bad, it's just that they're better.
2: I think I, I, I feel like any other way it would be an upset. I think is yeah. the best probably way to say it. It's like I look at and, and I do agree. I think that w- whenever and, and hopefully we do see it, I actually really want to see Big versus K because I do think that they look the best sides out of all of it. And obviously, you never know what could happen. You know, we could actually see. I think if, if Mouse can kind of like, you know, like you said, have this kind of change, you know, and, and go off like the positives and, and build off that. I think that also mouse would be really cool to see. And maybe they could be the type of side to, to do like an upset victory or, you know, make it all the way to finals. But like the match I want to see, and, and I feel like, yeah, it is big and it and it, and it is K Corp. And hopefully we don't kind of see it anywhere until the finals. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's, that's the star match. I think as well. especially, especially when it's still best
0: of freeze before the final as well, you feel like you would kind of miss out on that big best of five. So I don't know. We'll see if they are in the semi-final. Then I think I'll, at the very least that would give like a bit of a push to do a uh, a lower bracket next time around because I think that's another thing people have kind of called for as well.
1: Yeah, uh, the yeah, I it, I think the double double elim bracket is it's interesting in the sense of when you've got four uh, when you've got eight teams. I think you can do like four on top, four on bottom, right? I mm-hmm. I, I can't remember how how it would function but normally i know if you've got eight teams you normally put two in the lower uh and winners in in, in the rest but i guess it would function the same if you just split it down the middle mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah i think double even would be cool but i think it could end up in obviously a, a longer and more drawn out yeah. uh playoffs and i don't know how you know the, the guys at the top feel about that um especially when it's been this for so long yeah. i think we've did that since we've had it in the lec and it's such a popular format maybe moving forward we see a shift to that um but i think when you've got 8 teams going into playoffs it's it's potentially a, a tough ask mm. i think if it was 6 teams then then there would be no argument and they would just swap the format but i think with 8 it's it's a tough argument to me yeah
2: yeah the only the only thing i could think of is that they do uh one team from each group gets automatically qualified and then they kind of do like a little oh, mini, like a mini tournament, tournament to get the, the other yeah. two and it yeah. would they would go into the lower bracket and, and yeah. vice versa. Because I don't think I don't think an eight an eight team lower bracket, I think it is a bit too long. Yeah. Uh I think it can be a bit too strenuous. And you know uh, and that's why like people wanted a lower bracket because when you had six teams it's like i think like the pool is a little bit lower and it's a little bit short if they just did a normal tournament with six teams so um i, I don't mind the format too much as well um no. but like i said it, it you know i think it may change it may change as well if if more teams like i said get added yeah. or mm-hmm. or vice versa but um yeah i'm i'm really i've really really enjoyed the uh the CU masters and I feel like it's 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 incredible that every year at EU Masters or every split, I'm like, well, oh, these are the new crop of talent which are gonna go into the LEC. And I'm like, they're just gonna keep are they just gonna keep replacing each other constantly? Yeah, I, yeah, I think
1: I, I, I I think that's that's the the inevitability of it, right? And I think that's why the systems in place are the way that they are. It's it's the exact same as traditional sports when it comes to to actual like players talent. Uh, you know. We've all been, for example, lucky enough to see players like Ronaldo and Messi in, in football sort of go through their start to finish. And, you know, the generation behind them, people like uh, sort of the Neymarish generation where they're sort of like, I think Neymar's 27, 28 now. Mm-hmm. Uh but I mean, which, on the side note, that's crazy to me because I have always just remembered him as sort of the 20, <laughs> 21-year-old who showed up to Barca. And,
2: I mean, I, I feel like he still teaches that. Like <laughs> he, he probably still, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but then now, you know, you've got the even newer generation of, of kids Sancho like him. Uh, yeah, oh, Sancho Mbappe. Yes, yeah. Sancho uh, Mbappe, Trent, all of these. Well, maybe both put Trent up there, but I don't know how football works at the moment. I've not been following. But you understand that same level of talent mm-hmm. always comes through and it cycles. Uh, and that's the same thing for League of Legends. I think for a long time, you know, saw sort of through season one through season seven-ish is roughly when you start to see players actually drop out and say, "I right, am retiring." That's me done. Uh, I think it's the same thing, and I think you know you've seen the resurgence or the surgence, There's no been, there's never been a resurgence, uh, initial surge even of uh, you know rookies coming out from EUM and performing really well on the LEC stage. And I think that now that we've had it happen once, it's gonna start the cycle again, especially as the, the, the players that have been around for a long time. You know they even move out of the region or they just say yeah i don't have the drive to play anymore um because they will always have to be a best player right and it's it's kind of just as simple as that uh you know faker can't stay faker forever for example right uh you know and even he's kind of to some been decrowned as as the best of of the of the current time um so yeah i think you look at um uh and i think i said it my tweet. i said hey I'm casting the the 2023 uh, EU, um, LEC champions probably uh,
3: <laughs>
1: over the course of of, uh, of the tournament. So yeah, I think we all end up seeing a lot of these players end up in.
2: And I think uh, and, and it's not like a disservice to any of the players or anything like this, but I feel like you have like middle LEC players where you you always get like the best. You you'll find like a humanoid or a Larson, and you know probably if they want to stay in EU, they could quite possibly be in EU for years and years and years. At this point, you know, at least that's what it looks like. But like you know, massive changes. But you're always going to get like the you know like the the C's or the D players, which is which sounds really unfair. But like for an LEC level, it's still like ridiculously good. But you're always going to see that rotation of those players go around because it keeps building, and it, one of those could potentially then be like a, a C or a, you know to an A player through I, that. So I, just the I, way that it works.
1: And I also think, especially because of of the the recent finals, right where. Uh, how, how many players? I think eight out of ten of the players on that stage have played at EUM in the last. Uh, I think the the premiers were two years. Um, it's going to push teams to want to look into more uh, more fresh talent, younger players playing at EUM or the players with just less experienced who just look promising, um, and actually put time into developing them, whether that's actually on the LEC stage itself or uh, on the or picking them up for academy, uh, so that they're scrimming the main team and what have you. Uh, it's. I think it's going to become a more popular thing and then we're just going to mm-hmm. see the, the cycling of names, you know, the greats rise, then mm-hmm. they eventually they, they sort of say, alright, I'm 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 kind of done. And then new players will come and step in their place. Yeah. Then
2: on, on like the other side, it would be very interesting to kind of see um, obviously th- this is all rumours, but there are rumours that Niski might be going to 100 Thieves is like yeah. that that's the big rumor i think dot esports have uh, have said that that that's what happened i think owing thieves are just like Reaper as well which is you know crazy so but like it, it kind of i wonder if it gives kind of fanatic as an organization like a, a, a dilemma of like you know we've got Febervin, who's kind of this experienced name do we put him in or do we go yeah, and look at I, EU masters
1: oh uh i treat seasoned players playing on Academies kind of the same way that I look at it in NA. Uh, I think if you're a seasoned player and you're on an Academy, you should be looking to just try and snag a spot in the (laughs) LEC, Or just, in my opinion, if you're a really seasoned player, you shouldn't necessarily need to be playing on an Academy team. And I know it sounds kind of harsh, right? Um, And at the end of the day, players can always make their decisions for themselves uh, on, on who and where they play for. But for for me, academies will always be about breeding new talent, making sure that they're nurtured by the experience of of the uh, the team above them in in the main in the main team. Um, and I think it does present a, an interesting dilemma where if they do end up selling Nisky after one split, which would seem strange, but maybe it's just a Nisky thing. Nisky doesn't want to be a fanatic, and that's that's fine. You don't you never really know until things mm-hmm. come out and are spoken about. I think if I'm fanatic, I just pick I pick up a, a different young. Mid laner who's who's willing to
2: like, like Chez Chris, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: ex- exactly. You know the guy just come out once, but all of a sudden he's at EUM man. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and and for Febby I think he's realistically he's there to play. I, I I think he was there to play to try and make it to EUM, do the whole gauntlet, and try and prove that he was still worth it. And obviously the the, the gamble didn't didn't pay off. Um. And he'll still just be trying to look to to hop on a, a low end or low to mid end like LEC team uh, whenever his his contract allows it.
2: Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that though there is like there is a a point of it it depends also on like what a player wants because sometimes a player might be want to like wind down to potentially maybe go into like coaching or into kind of other types of role into you know into League of Legends. So I, I think you could look at it and be like Fabian, if you want to. And, and obviously this is all like speculation, but like, if you want to be a coach in two years, why don't you take this kind of team and, you know, work with our coaches and kind of build kind of that as well, which could work instead of him just randomly getting like a coaching job elsewhere or doing things like that. Because I do think that as coaches become more and more professional as well, I feel like you do kind of need that teaching a little bit more than just, oh, you're a former player. Now you're being a coach. You know, I think some people it works. Mithy, for example, I think it worked. But Mithy has always been like a player I, I who knew the game.
1: Yeah, I I will say you can't just hop titles. You can't just be a player and then say, mm-hmm. "All right, I'm going to be a coach," purely on the basis of of experience.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, to to be a head coach, I think for one, you have to be a leader. Uh, not every player is a leader that wants to 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 be a coach, uh, plain and simple. Uh, and we'll probably see that in the coming years, where players are long and distinguished and they've done their time as as players and they try and make that hop to, to coaching because they they still have the drive and the passion for the mm-hmm. game but they don't necessarily want to, to play anymore but then they fail spectacularly because they still lack the qualities of what actually what it actually needs to be a good coach um and I think leadership will definitely be one of those things in in particular that as a, mm-hmm. a thing but you can't just hop from from player to coach just on the basis of experience for one uh and Strictly knowledge, though it might sound really strange, but I, it's kind of a long thing for me to explain. Uh, for for two, um, there's a lot that has to go into it because you have to be good at, at resource management. You have to know how to use your staff. You have to know how to, uh, you know, you have to know how to interact with your your players on a one by one basis. You have to know how to treat mm-hmm. them in front of everybody in a in a, a team environment. You have to know when to single players out. You have to know all of these different things, which. Okay, if you've got the experience and you've seen your coaches before you do it, maybe you've picked up on a thing or two. But you know, you're not always going to see that immediate success. And I think, you know, I, the the most recent one I think is Bjergsen or Bjergsen hop from from player to, to to coach. I think he would be one of the bearish examples because he's been around for so long and he's always been mm-hmm. vocal about being the leader of TSM. Um, and he did an okay enough job I think for a first Uh
2: Well, I look at um, even from like an ERL perspective, you look at Swiffer for yeah. BTXL, obviously Swiffer came from being a player, straight yeah. straight from being a player to to being in a I, BTXL. Uh and you would could could argue that given like them being like undefeated and then losing at the final hurdle was that losing at the final hurdle because it was hard for swiffer at that point who was wasn't really experiencing how to motivate a team or to do yeah. stuff like that as opposed to this season where when they had those down troughs he kind of knew what he was doing and he gained that experience from it i think yeah. that it, there is definitely like signs of development in coaches as well which you need mm-hmm. but i also think that that's why it's good for academies or yeah. and free RLs as well like you said everything the the whole European system is getting developed. People look at players, but actually it's everything which gets developed through ERLs. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Every every aspect of of uh, what makes an ERL. Like from, from the on-air staff to to the players and then the uh, and the, the actual coaching staff themselves. Everybody gains the experience and slowly the the refinements are made, the system gets better, and you start to churn out even higher level uh uh, individuals in in every you know uh line of work um and that's why i'm happy the system is is the way it is at the moment uh can there be probably more improvements uh, in in places probably i can i see them no i'm i'm ignorant i just got him <laughs> uh, you know that's why i'm thankful that we don't like for example have a system like what's in an a because an a system is is pretty tragic right mm-hmm. the academies just play the academies and a lot of the times in the academy teams, you can just see, not to be rude, but kind of pass their time like numbers, in the numbers. <laughs> mm. the numbers. Uh, and I think it, it can even be considered like embarrassing, like in the the proving ground stuff recently and the scouting ground stuff recently in the N.A. where you've got the the amateur organisations putting teams together, even like Barrage went over there, and they they
0: they took games on. off academies, I think.
1: Yeah, they took game they beat on Academy teams in some in 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 one case, I think.
0: Um was it Team Liquid? Did
1: they
2: beat Team Liquid Academy? I think, I think
1: so. I think so. So, you know, I think it says a lot about their system. And I, I and granted, they're not an entire continent where every individual region is churning out sets of mm-hmm. players, right? They're an entire country, slash obviously Canada is a part of it and, and what have you, but besides the point, I suppose, in this example. The player base, yes, it's small, but they kind of just treat the academies as a backup to their main and not a development thing which i think is the key issue and then obviously there's a whole bunch of other broader cultural uh work ethic issues going on in NA, uh which is why i think they've left behind compared to europe china and korea
2: i think what's really interesting as well is like uh, and it's something which i guess the positive and a negative but like for example evil geniuses that i believe they had like two teams in uh improving grounds because they had evil geniuses academy and then they had like evil geniuses like basically 100 team next version essentially and it's like it's i i it, it kind of goes with the, the what you're kind of saying is like 100 thieves academy is there because it's like here are what our backup players have but actually our actual academy team is the eg academy academy right okay. and then and so it's kind of like why is there that kind of we've got these backups and then we've got the actual Academy teams, you know, and so but it's good that we're actually seeing more like third teams, essentially, but with the way that the system works, you need third teams, like an LECs, an LCS side needs third teams really, because, you know, they're, they're just worried of, oh, if this player does bad, then at least we've got like an old reliable in the back, you know? Yeah. Uh,
1: and that's one thing that doesn't happen here. You've got the the, the, the players of the Academies are actually utilized for what Academy teams should be utilized for. And that's why the system here, I think works so great. And we're, finally seeing a lot of new, young uh, young talent come through and actually be successful in the LEC.
2: Well, yeah. unless you're Astralis, because <laughs> nah, <unless you're> Astralis. <laughs> like, Astralis Academy is something else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Definitely. Well, um, yeah. Um, on that, I think we're, we're pretty much good to finish up there. There was one last question I had for you, Jamada, which is uh, kind of a sneaky one that I do sometimes when we've got a, a coach or an analyst on, because um, it is actually Clash today. Uh, and in a, an hour or two I'm expected to be playing with my mates in our t- uh, tier 3 clash so I just wondered what what would you say are some of the, the main picks to be going for that are hopefully going to get us to win uh, okay
1: so I've heard apparently Vladimir on this patch is pretty cracked uh, to what degree I don't know but that buff was pretty nice uh, Diana jungle is apparently supposed to be good but I, funnily enough after this uh, after this podcast, I'm hopping into solo queue to go and learn what's actually <laughs> for the game. Um, but you know, in the jungle, all of the the chem tank stuff, right? Hecarim, the uh, Volibear, yada yada. Uh, I think you know, if if you're in the, the tier 3 section, you know. Things like Annie, you know, the the base, the basic stuff is is always like the the nice, easy go to stuff that scales, mm-hmm. stuff that has CC. Engage, 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 engage. Make sure you draft bloody engages. Like the easiest way to to win games is just knowing that you can always
2: just
3: go.
0: Cool. Sounds good. All right then. Um,
2: and then, it... as a, as a final thing as well uh just thought it was it was really cool i, I found it out i think yesterday but it, it stewart is now a a content creator for Fnatic because of a uh, wild Excel, rift
1: or xl i think right
2: or, or, oh oh xl yes it is xl yeah. Uh, yeah for for wild rift so that's always it, nice is he like
0: challenger did i see? i, I can't remember what, what what
1: it was i i i've known of of, of Stuart for a really long time um just as, like, sort of a content creator. I never knew that he was actually growing or doing a whole bunch with, with his platform, so it's...
2: He's it's... always been in the UK, season, so that's yeah. what I mean. So when yeah. it popped yeah. up, I was like, that's well done to him. Like, he's he's found, like, a, a niche. Well, not a niche. Like, Wild Riff is, like, incredibly popular, but he's, uh, yeah, apparently he's very good at it, and now and now he's a content creator for Excel, so fair play. Very nice. It reminds me of, like, Boaster, when Boaster just suddenly became, like, fanatic for Valorant, essentially. hmm definitely. Cool. Um
0: just as we finish up then um, just to kind of look ahead to uh, what's coming up still on the UK EL obviously where we are hosted we have got the uh, the student proving grounds coming up uh, which spoke about last week as well Um, so that's from next Sunday the 25th uh, up until the 30th so yeah do drop a follow on here to check out those and obviously to you know watch our future episodes over here find the
2: next find the next drag dial that's what it is
0: exactly yeah and um Yeah, for otherwise, those that are uh, watching back either on YouTube or Spotify as well, obviously drop a follow on there. Um, And our Twitters are all on the screen as well, so you can follow us all personally. And um, yeah, with that, I think we're all done. So thanks for watching.